Good morning. Oh, good morning. You are welcome to Teen Chapel of ICGC Calvary Temple. Our vision here is to become world changers, nation builders, and inventors through training in godly principles. You are all welcome aboard. Our mission is grooming, proactive, spirit-filled, disciplined, leadership-managed youth who are ready to take up responsibility and daring to make changes in their generation. Is there anybody here who is daring to make changes in their generation? It's not just by deed. It's not just by words, but it's also by deed. Let's speak it and act it. We are raising a youth that is current and relevant. Current and what? Okay, what's the trending story this week? Can, can someone tell me one thing that trended this week? Yes. The kidnapping of people at Akradi. Yes, that's good. Anybody else? Something else? Chelsea versus Tottenham. Chelsea versus Tottenham. That also trended there. Eh? Okay, so you see where the interest lies. That's good. So you must be current. You must be relevant. You must know what's happening around you. Okay. If today is the very first time you are sharing fellowship with us on a Sunday morning like this, whoever you are, kindly give me a wave. If this is the very first time you are sharing fellowship with us, give me a wave. Oh, that's wonderful. Kindly rise to your feet. For those around here, give her a warm welcome. Give her a warm character welcome. Enjoy this song. It was composed specially for you. Please don't be in a hurry to leave. Just meet us just in front here where I was, sit- I was seated. Just meet us here. We'll refresh you. We'll interact with you. And then we'll be a blessing to you. Amen. Our departmental meetings are as follows. On Monday from 4 to 6, we meet here to pray. Come and invest in prayer. Come and invest in heavenly places. Amen. Then the evangelism team goes out to evangelize from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Every Tuesday. So come and be part of the Great Commission. Dramatic Arts team meets on Fridays between 6 and 7.30. So if you want to minister in arts, in choreography, whatever it is you want to do, in rap, whatever it is you want to do, come here on Friday between 6 and 7.30 for the meetings. And then you can be a blessing to us. 
And then on Saturdays between 3 and 5 p.m., all departments meet here. All departments meet here. We are all encouraged to join a department today. And the church workers meet from 5 to 5.45. Facilitators also meet to pray between 6 and 6.30. Amen. The 2019 devotionals are available. The daily power is going for nine Ghana CDs, and it's recommended for those in GHS. And then the daily guide is also going for 10 CDs. That's recommended for the SHS graduates as well. And then the Living Word by Dr. Mensah Otabel is also available for 25 CDs only. Now, if for any reason you can't afford a devotional, you see after service, come and see me. Let's have a discussion and let's see what we can do, okay? But all of you are encouraged to have a devotional to help you to grow in Christ. It's good to read the word of God every morning. Amen. Amen. Offering time. Offering time. Can you turn with me to Genesis chapter 4? As we prepare to give our offering this morning, please turn with me to Genesis. It's the passage that we all know very well, the passage of Cain and Abel. When we were in Sunday school, I don't know, depending on which Sunday school you were in, in our days we were taught that Cain brought rotting tomatoes and things. Did you hear that story? You heard it? Okay. Now it says that, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from God. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So one was a crop farmer, the other was into animal husbandry. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruits of the ground to the Lord. Also, Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door, and this desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Amen. So you, you find that there are two people who give an offering. God respected one, but did not respect the other. Why? Because one gave the best that he had. He gave the firstborn of his flock and the fats. That means the one that, you know, had, you know, when you get the goods, you want the one that's the opapun, the one that's, you know, is solid. That one, after eating it several hours, even when you, you put your hand on your nose like this, you can still smell it. That's, that's what Abel did. He brought the best of what he had, but Cain did not. This year, I want to encourage you that every time you are coming to, to church, make sure you bring the best to God. He deserves the best. So this morning, put your hand this morning, put your hand into where your money is and bring out the best. Don't push the best to the corner, to the bottom, and then give God the change, whatever is left of it. Some of us buy things in the morning just so we can have change to give God what is left. This year, I'm admonishing you to give God the best and he will reward you. Amen. So we'll invite the choir to give us administration as we take our offering. I appreciate them as they come, please. Oh, you can do better.
Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to give us the furtherance of your work. We ask that, Lord, you look favorably upon our offering, and open the gates of heaven and pour down a blessing unto us. That will be a blessing unto others. We thank you for an answered prayer in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Shall we receive Uncle Bijou? I said good morning. Good morning. We are still in January, right? The first month of a year of wisdom. We just came back from fresh baptism. Many of us are on vacation. Who are those on vacation? Stand up, let me see you. Those of you on vacation. Sit down. Those of you on vacation, please stand up, let me see you. Okay, take your seats. How many of you are in SHS two, going to three? You stand with me until I finish preaching. You, yes, the tall guy. What's your name? Are you in this church? No. Yes. I don't even know your face. The rest of you sit down here. Look, keep standing. I did this exercise on purpose, and you are. It's like. You don't care about what you are doing, do you? Look at my face. Oh, you are embarrassed. You do it again. Are you interested in what you are doing? Are you sure? Do you want to receive wisdom this year? Are you sure? Your answer does not show that you are serious. What's your name? You are Adam Ajao. Are you going to? But don't do that again, okay? Were you embarrassed? I hope not. Small. But the way you're bowing your head, we're a little embarrassed. But listen, church, we've said this thing so many times here. That instrumentalists, please get back on stage here. We said this thing so many times that anything that we do in this place, you must also do some. 
And at the beginning of the year, I took time to explain why we do some of these things. I remember I talked to you about how all of us went to maybe nursery or at least class one or grade one, whatever it is. We didn't know why we were in school. We all started learning A, B, C, D. We didn't know what A, B, C, D is, but we were learning it. And we were serious about learning it. In fact, we were more serious about learning A, B, C than the way we behave in church. And sometimes even at home. Some of you at home, your parents tell you every day, sweep your room, sweep your room, sweep your room, keep your place tidy. And say, ah, mommy, daddy, you are troubling me. They are preparing you for life. You don't know. There are reasons why we keep repeating certain rudimentary things. I feel like not preaching this morning and going back to those bases again. Because you are not getting it and there's no point building on when you don't get the fundamentals. This is what Dr. Otto says you must focus on. Back to the basics. The rudiments of life what it means to be a Christian. Growing in Christ, learning to understand spiritual instructions and obeying them. You're making me feel sad this morning. I don't want to feel sad. During the praise and worship, some of you, it was like somebody was forcing you to praise God. Listen to me. If you won't praise God, God is not bothered. Do you know that? When you don't praise Him, He's not bothered. Is He not the one who created you? The Bible says that the heavens declare His glory. The heavens already are praising Him. All the things that He's created. Even inanimate things, things that are not living, they are praising Him. And you who have made it the image of God, you choose not to, to give him praise. And then when you want his blessing, oh, Father, bless me. Jesus, I come help me. He doesn't work that way. Can you imagine you're at home and all the time you're disobedient to your parents, what your parents ask you to do, you don't do what makes them happy, you don't do. And then when it's time for chop, chop money or pocket money, you can, Daddy, please, can I get some 20? Uh... And then when you receive the insults, you don't understand why you're receiving the insults. If God should be our friend, and if you are to grow in friendship with God, you must enjoy to be in his presence. You must enjoy to lavish praise on him. You must enjoy thanking him, thinking about things, specific things that he's done for us, and thanking him. Huh. Is somebody hearing me? Will somebody do what I'm asking you to do? Are you sure? I like your smile. Lord, where do you go from here? next 45 minutes to 50 minutes, I want to add on something to your life 
that hopefully there's still some feedback in my mic. Eh? That hopefully she changed something in your life. How many of us were at fresh baptism? Really? Wow. I've been a Christian for I've been a Christian for some time now. And I am beginning to understand the ways of God. There are different... Please, I don't want to embarrass anybody again, so listen to me and pay attention. There are different dimensions of God's glory. And there are different ways we enter into this glory. I can come here from frying pan to fire. I can come here, stir you up, you develop a very strong desire for God. By this evening, by tomorrow morning, you'll be back to square one. Next Sunday you come and it's like I didn't do anything at all to you to change your life. Why are you talking? What are you talking about? Tell us. I warned you. What are you talking about? which I watched a video on how to memorize things. You know, as students, it's very important because at this stage of our lives, we tend to memorize some things. We, it's part of our educational system and it's part of training. And I was thinking about memorizing scripture. How many of us have eaten this morning? Maybe about 50%, not too many. Okay. How many of us ate yesterday? Okay, keep your hands up. Keep it up. How many of you ate the day before yesterday? The day before yesterday, when you ate, were, not, were, you, not, were you not full? Keep your hands down. Weren't you satisfied? You were filled up. So what did you eat again yesterday? And some of you have already started to do, you've already eaten. 
Why? The food you ate for Sunday cannot take you through all the whole week. It's for energy for the day. It's for building up your muscles for the day. It's for making repairs to your body for the day. Tuesday, you have to eat. You have to replenish because the, 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 the body structure, the body systems are broken down. Some repairs need to be made. The body has used energy. You're, you are growing, you are teenagers, you are growing up and you need extra energy and you need some energy to store up. The same principles apply spiritually. If you're talking about our Bible reading, we're talking about memorizing scripture, if we're talking about meditation, and next week we'll be talking about meditation. Look, listen, if you listen to a sermon and you stand up, come for fresh baptism, and you see the move of God, say, oh, your yeah, God is great, and it, it, it stays there, you are finished. By one week, it's as if nothing happened to you. You need to build up on it. You don't stop learning after you, 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 you completed your BEC, those of you are in WASI. You don't stop learning. You keep adding on. Mr. President, you have all made me digress. So you can take your seat. Eh? Thank you very much. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm talking to you about wisdom. And what I'm talking about is one type of wisdom we'll talk about later on in the service. We need to grow up. And we need to grow up spiritually as well. Okay? Let's not remain the same. And worst of all, let's not degenerate. Are you hearing me? So next time you meet with your brothers and sisters and it's time to thank God, will you thank God? If it's time to praise God, will you praise God? If it's time to sing, will you sing? And if it's time to shout, will you shout? If it's time to read scripture, will you read scripture? If it's time to do your quiet time, will you do your quiet time? You see, all of these are important. None is more important than the other, but every one of them adds on. I don't know, it's not part of my message, but I wish I could make you understand this very, very well. Let's get serious with God. Let's get serious with our lives, and let's get serious with education. Okay? Ah, uh, I wanted to do something this morning, but I think we would um, we'll skip that. So we'll just um, read. By now, all of us should have memorized our key scripture. This is our key scripture. I've been learning since you came to Teen Chapel. So if you don't know it by now, it's a disgrace. But I know some of you may not still know it very well. How many of you know it now? How many of you think they know it, but they are afraid I'll call them? That's why they don't want to raise their hand. I don't call anybody. You think you know it, but you're afraid I'll call you. How many of you are lying to me? 
All right, let's read it together. Let's read together. Ready, go. Hey, are you fast? About 95% are not, you know, there are several instructions here. Several instructions. Oh, Lord, let me, I don't want to deviate too much today. There are so many instructions here. Who doesn't want progress in his life? If you don't want progress, you'll leave your hands, let me see. Everybody wants progress in his life. Me, I want progress. I don't want to remain the same. I don't want to even go back. And scripture is giving us simple instructions. This is our key scripture that we stand on as teenagers and as facilitators, as teen chapel. And scripture is saying that if you do these things, you know, our progress will be made evident to all, not just to you alone, but people will see you see that you're making progress in life. How can you meditate on scripture when you don't know the scripture. You don't take time to read it. You don't take time to have it somewhere where you can see regularly. You should have memorized this by now. It's the longest scripture that we have in our first lot. But I want us to read it. Who knows it? Who has memorized it? Oh, congratulations. Only the two of you. Okay, see me after service for something special. Two of you. Okay. Facilitators, should I ask us? No. Well, I can ask facilitators, both of you. Now, talking about going back to the basics. This scripture is the foundation of the beginning of our Christian life. That's why we're memorizing all of it. You see, you hear stories about the apostle, hey, madam, what you're talking is more important than what I'm saying now, right? We hear stories, we've heard preachings, we've heard stuff about the Apostle John. Anybody who's been coming to church for some time knows about the Apostle John. Bible describes him as the one that Jesus loved. Of course, Jesus loved all his disciples, but there was a certain relationship that Jesus had with John that the others did not have with Jesus. And it's very clear from scripture, those of you who read scripture, 
you see that John had certain depths of understanding of Christianity that the other apostles didn't have. Not even Paul. If you read the book of John, you'll be amazed at depths of revelation and understanding into the mind of God. John had such a deep relationship with God that, I mean, he's one of three who had a supernatural ending to their life. First is Elijah, who didn't die, Moses, who didn't, uh, who, um, he died, but nobody saw his body. During the early days of Christianity, government and church were trying to destroy Christianity, and they, they, they virtually killed all the apostles. They just could not kill John the apostle. The man will just not die. There was no means that they could use to kill him. Why God did that, I don't know. Finally, they decided to abandon him in a forgotten island full of wild animals. Perchance the wild animals will finish what they couldn't do. But that's not what we are talking about this song. We are talking about the foundation that God John understood about God. And that's why you must read this, read it down until you memorize it. 16, 16 verses, it looks like it's long, it's not long, some of you learn literature, most, you learn more poetry than, than this one. If you commit to it, you, you, if I just keep reading it every day, don't even memorize, read it every day. After one week, you would have known it. Shall we read it together? And don't read it like a parrot, read it slowly with meaning. Ready, go. In the beginning was the word. And the, ah, you are running. If you do that, you understand it. You will not even, you will not remember anything. In the beginning, okay, follow me. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, Nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God. Whose name was John. This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them 
He gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we spend a little time to exhort ourselves and to focus on you, you teach us again the basics of wisdom. Turn our lives around. Make us serious with our lives. Make us desire to grow in you for there are debts that you are calling us to. There are responsibilities that you want to walk into. We don't want to be satisfied with how far you have brought us. We want to grow in grace. We want to grow in responsibility. And we want to grow in your blessings as well. I commit myself to you and I commit everyone else to you. May we hear you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been talking for some time now about the foundation for wisdom and we've been look, looking at going back to the basics. This morning I want to attempt to um, share some thoughts which Dr. Otabel has shared with us on the dynamics of wisdom. So this morning I'll be sharing a few thoughts on the dynamics of wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 to 24. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. This thing called wisdom, eh? it's not as simple and straightforward as we think. You know, sometimes in school, when somebody does something that, for some reason, you just look at the person and say, ah, this person is wise, so what exactly do we mean? Sometimes we look at old people or people who are much older than us, people who have some small gray hair like me, and then you see that the old folks, they are, they are, they are wise. What exactly do we mean? When we say somebody is wise, what exactly do we mean? That word wise or wisdom can be very confusing. Just like that simple four-letter word love, L-O-D-E, can be very confusing. So we want to take our time to look at some 
basic understanding of what wisdom is. According to the dictionary, wisdom is the quality of having experience and knowledge and good judgment. The quality of being wise. So, if, look, how many of you have been, have been bent by fire before? Okay. When you've been bent by fire before, when you see fire, you're going near fire, you, you are cautious. You want to keep as far away as possible. It is what you call experience. And that's why in English language you say experience is the best teacher. Because you learn the stuff by having gone through it and you know that, look, it's like even school. When you don't learn and you don't do well, you don't blame anybody. You can make noise, you can even blame God, but you know yourself you didn't learn, that's why you failed. Or that's why you didn't do as well as you could have done. It's what they call experience. When you have insight, knowledge about something that makes you take a decision, you make a judgment based on the knowledge that you have. For example, you've been burnt by fire. So when you see fire burning, you don't say the, the, the color of the fire is nice. So let me go and touch the color and see how it is like. You, you, have, you know from knowledge, personal knowledge, and that thing is not just yellow. It is hot. If you put your hand inside, it will burn you. So you take a decision based on the knowledge that you have. This is what the dictionary describes as wisdom. It's one type of wisdom. Is the soundness of an action or a decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. You see, you take decisions based on the things that you know. The experience that you have. The dictionary goes on further to say that the body of knowledge and experience that develops is within a specific society and also within a specific time frame. Some things that you did when you were a toddler, when you do them today, everyone will say you are foolish. Because when you are a toddler, within the age between two and three, it is expected of you to have certain knowledge to behave in a certain way because of your age. So when you put out certain behavior, it's understood. But when you grow up and you are a teenager and you are still doing those same things, everybody will look at you and say you are foolish or you are not wise. I was going to digress, but let's move on. The Bible looks at wisdom in a slightly different way. In fact, there are two groups of societies that help shaping the definition of wisdom. That the Hebrews, because you know Christianity came from the Hebrew culture, so we, we as Christians, we learn a lot from the Hebrew culture. For the Hebrews, wisdom is practical. It, it, it's, 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 it's in a sense, it's similar to what the dictionary describes, you know, it must be something that you can use, something that you can see, you, you can handle taste, and then see that when you do this, this happens, so this is wisdom. That is how Hebrews looked at wisdom. But the Greeks, they look at wisdom in a very different way. Most of what the world has learned as wisdom was learned from the Greeks. 
if you look at some of the great um, uh, Greek philosophers, we've, we've learned a lot of wisdom from them. They, they look at wisdom from a more philosoph- philosophical point of view. They look at it from a more theoretical, abstract mindset. No, they look at concepts and ideas. So every day, they are looking for a new concept, a new idea. And that is why at one time when uh, Paul was preaching, they, they, they came and said, what is this new idea that Paul is coming up with? What is this new wisdom? They are always searching for new things. And even the basic ones that they do, they are not applying. So they are, they are wise philosophically in the abstract world, but down to earth sometimes they are not wise. The Greeks valued concepts and ideas. Dr. Wotabo talks about five dimensions of wisdom. And the first dimension is what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. Spiritual dimension of wisdom. And for the rest of the year, we are going to spend more time focusing on spiritual wisdom. Psalm 11 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commands. His praise endures forever. I don't want to talk too much about the scripture. Let it speak for itself. But you can see clearly, we have been emphasizing this again and again and again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. If you don't fear God, you are not on the road to growing in spiritual wisdom. And then it goes on to say, a good understanding good understanding of all those who do his commandments. If you disobey God, you will gain good understanding. If you disobey me, if you disobey the facilitators, if you disobey Pastor Kujo, you will get good understanding of the foundation that we are giving you in Teen Chapel. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. It's, it's a matter of consequence. When you obey his commandments, when you do his commandments, praise for him in your life is continuous and it endures forever. Some of you, the reason why you you find it difficult to praise God when you come to praise God, and you have to be wired, you have to be wound. Even after winding, you are still, you you haven't gotten into the rhythm of praise. It's because in your secret life, you are not obeying his commandments. Some of us have chosen to be stubborn, not to obey. And because we don't obey, you know, his love for him, praise for him, delight for his things don't come natural. When the praise and worship leader tries to stir you up, shows you from scripture, gives you reason why you must praise God, then you begin to see a little, then you do small, but as soon as that is over, you go back to a life of disobedience. Praise not be continuous in your life. But if you're continually obeying him, you begin to enjoy his praise. And the praise will be continuous in your life. It will endure even in the midst of difficulty in hard times and in good times. The praise will endure. We talk about the fear of the Lord not being like afraid of God but a determination to turn away from what God doesn't like, what is sin and what is wrong. That, that is 
what fearing God means. It means having regard for God, having respect for him. You think about God with reverence. You honor him. That's what it means to have fear for God. The second dimension of uh, wisdom is what we call the mental dimension. It's having a deep understanding or insight into how life operates. And this, this is the wisdom that many of us are very familiar with. Mental wisdom is generally gained by observing nature. In fact, every student, everybody, most of us here are students, and we know what it is to develop our minds. Okay? Like we said, you start school by learning the ABC, learning the times table and all that, learning all kinds of formulas and all kinds of theories. You don't understand why you are being taught those things. But as you grow up, as you move to a higher level of education, you begin to relate those fundamental things that you are being taught because your teachers have learned how life operates. And they are teaching you the rudiments of how life operates. That is mental wisdom. So what we do in school primarily is developing your mental mindset, the mental dimension of wisdom. Proverbs 6 verse 6 tells us that go to the angel slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which have no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. One of the ways of developing mental wisdom is to make observation of things that go on in life. Several times in scripture, we are told to go to certain animals, study them, and gain wisdom. Some of the animals that we are told to go to, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And you can actually go to the ant. Like some of us that have done a little bit of biology, you have studied about the ant. You have studied the anatomy of the ant. You have studied the biology of the ant. You, I mean, you study all kinds of things about the ant, but we have to become wise. It is not the academic studying of these animals. It's not the academic observations of things that go on in life that makes you wise. It is your studying and observing the reasons why they do what they do, the benefits of what they do, and you begin to apply that to your life. That's how you become wise. If you want to excel, excel academically, look at people who have excelled academically. Find out the things that they did. Why did it work for them? Apply what you learned to your life, and you become wise. If you want to become an engineer at this young age, you must be making friends with your, 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 your friends whose parents are engineers or people who are engineers. Get close to them. How many of you want to be engineers? Wow. How many of you have spoken to the engineers in Tin Chapel before? Those who want to be engineers. That's a wise thing to do. If you want to be an engineer, start talking to engineers. What is the life of engineering like? What is this? Is it like to be a student of engineering? What are some of the difficulties? How did you scale through? Or was it all rosy? Some of us want to be medical doctors, but we have no idea what the life of a medical doctor is like. Go and talk to Chief Nana, who is married to a medical doctor. 
they have a certain lifestyle. If you want to be a nurse, study nurses, ask them questions. That's what scripture says. It's mental, the mental dimension of wisdom. Studying how life operates, studying different people, studying different objects, learn from why they do what they do, and you become mentally wise. But that's only the second dimension of wisdom. The third dimension of wisdom is the moral dimension of wisdom. Moral wisdom is the ability to differentiate right from wrong. It's a moral force to exhibit righteous conduct. It's normally, generally inspired by spiritual wisdom. You see, the more spiritual wisdom you gain, and spiritual wisdom comes primarily from the scriptures, the fear of God, honoring him and obeying him. When you begin to honor him, when you begin to understand the scripture, when you begin to read the scripture, then the scriptures gets into you. Nobody will tell you the kissing is enough. Stop it. Nobody will tell you. You don't, you don't need to ask anybody. Is it okay to allow the guy to touch me? Is it good or is it not good? Get into the scripture. Gain moral, I won't say it's good or it's not good. Gain moral wisdom. And you know how to differentiate between right and wrong. Scripture says that the mature people are those who have studied the scriptures and have obeyed the scriptures and have used it and are able to discern between right and wrong. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two sword. It's able to separate soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It descends the intents of your mind, your motive. When you are trying to touch, what is the motive for the touching? The word of God will let you know what is happening. And you can decide right. The fourth dimension is the practical dimension of wisdom. And this is what the Jews, uh, the Hebrews, focus on. This is the ability to use one's creative creativity to solve problems. If you are wise and you, you are not able to solve problems, you are not wise. Every wisdom must solve problems. This is often this refer, they refer to as a technical aspect of wisdom. Like I said, this is where the Hebrews focus on a lot. But this dimension of wisdom is also limited. Okay. Incidentally, wisdom can be personal or collective, a group wisdom. For example, okay, we, we don't have to blow our own horns, but sometimes that's the illustration that comes to mind. Somebody comes to ICGC, or you literally go to any ICGC church, you can see, without asking a question, a certain level of collective wisdom. The way ICGC does certain things. Immediately you see it, some just tells you, ah, this is what they are wise. And it's a collective, it's not the pastor, it's not the individual, but it's a collective thing. You go to some homes, and the way they do their things, you, you check yourself and you check your home and say, ah, Charlie, this house, there's some wisdom. That's what you refer to as collective wisdom. I don't want to go too much into that. Okay. The last dimension of wisdom is what you refer to as the governmental dimension of wisdom. 
This is a collective aspect of wisdom that has to do with ruling a certain group of people so that there is order. But not just order, but also fairness, justice, and equity. Throughout the scriptures, we, 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 we learn from the Hebrew culture that the very first governmental system that God is interested in, it's the family. No wonder we read scriptures in the New Testament that anybody who wants to be a leader but cannot manage his home should not be a leader. If you want to be a deacon, you want to be a shepherd, you know, one of the, the qualities that the first qualities that I look out for is the way you manage your own home. If you can't manage your home, how can you manage your people? Governmental dimension of wisdom. You see several times in scripture, especially if you read the, those of us who have been reading the book of Proverbs, and I hope that we, have, we are all finishing Proverbs this month and we shall start again in February. If you haven't, please join us. Every day read one chapter of Proverbs on the, the, the date for the month. Just read that chapter. Several times you hear, you read scriptures like, my son, pay, be attentive to my word. My daughter, my children, listen to your father, listen to your mother. This is governmental dimension of wisdom. You see, there, there is, okay, the Holy Spirit just paused me. Some of you, some of us, because of certain experiences we have at home, you don't have a good family. So we tend to rebel against such teachings. But this is to remind you that God's first focus is the family. If you don't see this in your family, talk to God and let God heal you. Open up to the facilitators. I'm talking to a few people, not everybody. And you know yourselves. Talk to the facilitators and get help. Okay? Don't keep it to yourself. Otherwise, it will affect your progress in developing wisdom. There are four functions of wisdom. Dr. Otabo tells us that there are four functions of wisdom. Wisdom generally can be seen as a conduit or a bridge to take you from one state or one place where you are to the next level. Hey, my sister, please wake up. Wake up for me. Don't sleep. You, you, you don't sleep. <laughs> okay. So it can be seen, the bridge can be seen as a map that gives you. You see, when you're going somewhere, you don't know where you're going. How many of you have taken, okay, many of you don't take Uber, so let me not use Uber. Hey, how many of you take Uber? Okay. If you take Uber, and then you're not sure of the Google direction, and the driver to get messed up. Both of you will be confused. Unless you know specifically where you are going, but in trying to communicate that with the driver, you see that there's a lot of back and forth because the map is not very clear. A map makes it very easy to identify exactly where we are going. So wisdom can be seen, the function of wisdom is to help us to map out how to get to 
where we are trying to get to. It can also be seen as a gap between a problem and a solution. Like I said earlier, wisdom is supposed to help us to solve solutions. Sorry, to solve problems. So, this is the problem and this is the solution, but there's a big gap. Wisdom will guide us from the problem to get to the solution. Wisdom can also be seen as a tap. A tap through which the energies of life flows through from one end to the other end. Okay. There are several things that can happen, but I don't want to talk about that too much here. For example, you, know, you, can, you can have a tap that carries water, but no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me let oh, <laughs> Wisdom can be seen as a cup. You know, a cup is used to close something. So if you have a bottle, the cup is like a lid that tightens the bottle. So a cup tends to limit whatever can go into the bottle. It sets a limit, a certain standard to performance in life. You've always heard us talk about, and I'm sure you've also heard it often said in school, that you must learn to think outside the box. If you're always staying inside the box, you are, you are in Teen Chapel, so everything about Christianity is about Teen Chapel. Hey, life is not Teen Chapel. You must think outside Teen Chapel. Think outside the squares, the boundaries that keep you in. So wisdom can be, it can function as a cap that removes the limit of you so you don't have any limit, you're able to expose yourself and to see that you're able to do far more than you think you can do. Reading uh, Ephesians, uh, um, Ephesians chapter, chapter um, is it three or six? I think it's three. No, God is able to do a sidley far above all that we can ever ask or think. You must think beyond where your mind is today. And that is one of the things that wisdom will do for you. Especially when you get into the wisdom of God, spiritual wisdom. That's why we learn scriptures. The entrance of the word brings light. You think that, how can I make first class after I've failed my exams? But the entrance of God's word brings light. It takes the limit of you. And he said, there's nothing that can stop me. God has said, go into the world and witness me, I'm a shy person. I don't know how to talk. Take the limits of you. Gain wisdom. Gain spiritual wisdom. You can do it. When God says do it, he knows you can do it. That's why he says do it. So those are four dimensions of uh, wisdom. You want to end with uh, looking at three types of wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence or speech or wisdom, Declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are matured. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained from the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified 
the Lord of glory. The first type of wisdom is what the scripture refers to as human wisdom. Human wisdom. And this is the kind of wisdom we gain when we go to school. When you go to class one, you, you learn class one wisdom. So they teach you A, B, C, D. They teach you uh, whatever, whatever they teach you in class one. When you go to B, C, you have B, C wisdom. Because you are gaining experience, you are gaining academic knowledge, you are gaining some basic knowledge about life. You go to Wasi, I mean the uh, senior high school, the same, when you get to university, it's a different ball game altogether, okay? You, you think that you have arrived, but you get to university and you think that Chale, what we learned, in, what we were doing in the SHS, we were just joking. And then you come out of the university and you think that now you have, you are born, you have arrived. And you come out and say, hey Chale, the world is not like what we thought it was. That is human wisdom. It's based on experience, trying out things, experimenting with things, observing and coming out with conclusions. Human wisdom is generally based on culture. You study the lifestyle of people, the way they do their things. You study science, the laws of science, the laws of physics, laws of biology, no, laws of chemistry. And you study philosophy, no, abstract stuff, theories, concepts, ideas, and these ideas pump into you some level of wisdom which is called human wisdom because it originates from men. The problem with human wisdom, even though it's good, is that human wisdom has no place for God. It's not concerned about God. It's not concerned about spiritual laws. I'm sure many of us have studied about the, the five senses. What are the five senses? It's not the eyes, it's the sight. Okay, seeing. The eyes is related, the eyes is related to seeing, okay? Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting. And what's the last one? Smell, okay? We are used to these five senses. And science tells us that, that these are the senses that we use to draw conclusions about life. But science did not consider a sixth sense, the sense of faith, the value of God, the place of God, the place of faith. Faith is a higher level of, 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 of a sensor compared to these other five senses. It can overrule the five senses. I'm sure you, many of you have seen this video that has gone viral so many times over and over again about that, uh, this um, young Christian who went to the university and then the professor was trying to prove to him that God does not exist. And then um, the guy used the same basic laws of science to prove to the professor that he does not have a brain. And the professor felt very foolish. But that is the wisdom of men. See, when, when you get into, okay, let me not rush ahead of myself, okay. Human wisdom is earthly. It focuses only on earth. It does not think about eternity. It does not think about death. It does not think about judgment. It thinks about itself. It's self-centered. And mind you, this is the reason why the world is projecting 
if it feels good, just do it. If kissing the guy will make you feel good, it's your body. Do it. It's your own body. You can do anything in life with your body. Because God does not come in there. Everything is self-centered. If you study the Bible, especially in the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells you about the limit, and I will not spend time to go. If you want to read some more, just go to Ecclesiastes, only 13 chapters. Just go and read the, the book of Ecclesiastes. Try and read it before supper. It's only 11, 13 short, interesting chapters. And it talks about a lot about earthly wisdom. And he, he talks, ah, and they say, this is vanity. You talk, ah, and say, this is foolishness. You talk, ah, and say, so look, let's draw a conclusion of the whole matter. Go and read it for yourself and see. You see, human wisdom, much as it is good, it's very limited. The, the application of that wisdom gets to a certain point, and beyond that point, human wisdom does not help. to give some illustration, but it's fine. Let's go on. Basically, culture leads to tradition. This is the way we do it, so this is our tradition. So, science also tells us that if you cannot test it in a test tube and draw a conclusion, then it does not exist. So, science looks at logic and objectivity. Is it real? Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, it does not exist. That is science. And that's what the philosophers, they are in, in, in some realm of their own. They imagine things and then sometimes come out with theories and concepts. You, you, unfortunately, you, can, you cannot put that one in the test tube, but they embrace it. But when you bring things about God, the Bible, they reject that one. Okay. So, Human wisdom cannot think beyond death, eternity, judgment. Because how are you going to put death in the test tube? How do we die? Science tells us how we die. You know, how can you then explain somebody dies and they can't? But I mean, there are so many things that it beats their mind. Okay, but it's limited. They cannot think beyond that. The second type of wisdom. And this is where, as Christians, we need to be extremely careful. It's what is described as demonic wisdom. First Corinthians 2, verse 6 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are matured, not the wisdom of this age, which is the wisdom of men, nor the, of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. You see, there is a certain wisdom that is propagated by the rulers of this age. I wish I had time to explain and expound on the rulers of this age. But there are so many ways of looking at it. But one way of looking at the rulers of this age, when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, we are told about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but rather we wrestle against principality, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. There are some people who are ruling. There are some spirit beings who are ruling. If you want to refresh your mind, go, and go, go over to the, the series on the demonology. There are spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places that rule. Satan himself is described as the god of this earth. There are systematic, structured systems that are ruling in the spirit world. 
demonic wisdom takes into consideration the existence of God. But is against everything God. Extremely antagonistic to God. Anything God, they try to kick it out. Or they try to project something that kicks out God. It very actively fights God himself and everything that he stands for, everything he has created and established. So if you want to know, if you want to decipher whether this is demonic wisdom or not, just see how it relates to the things of God. And I dare say this applies even in the church. Because, look, demonic wisdom is trying to take God out of the equation. So he doesn't just do it in the way, that's also in the church. And that's why it's important to get into the scriptures. It's important to be obeying the word of God so you don't get deceived by this type of stuff. Demonic wisdom will always fight the institution of marriage. It will force marriages to break up. Force marriages to have misunderstanding. Force marriages not to reconcile. Force, force a breakup. Force violence. Force abuse. Force disrespect. Distort the image of marriage. No matter, no wonder these days we are seeing all these projections of LGBTs. You know, and, and, and it's becoming a big subject in our time. It's, they are, it is demonic wisdom. So please, those of you who have been traveling outside, it's already CP here, but when you travel, it's accelerated. Don't go and say that you are getting wisdom, you are becoming enlightened, sir. I see some members of Teen Chapel who have gone outside and come up with some funny doctrines. And, so don't be deceived. Get, stay in the word. Incidentally, demonic wisdom is often propagated by people who are very intelligent. Well-educated people, but they are against the truth of the word of God. Sometimes even educated theologians you think that they will not fight against the word of God. But you see, when you are living in those obedience, you give the devil a foothold in your life. And when he takes a foothold and you allow him more, he brings a second one and then he invites his friends. Jesus taught us when you cast a demon out, you cast demons out and you don't fill the void, the demons will go and bring more wicked and stronger demons to come and establish a stronghold in your life. Now, as teenagers, we need to be very, very careful in this area. Who are your role models? Be careful. Not all role models should be your role models. Find out what do they believe? What is their attitude to the things of God? Among teenagers these days, I mean, you see any popular person, any beauty star, any music stars, sometimes even in the gospel world, and anything they say is gospel. Anything they say is truth. Hey, check it out. Find out how it relates to scripture and find out how the values of God are projected for such people. Or whether they are fighting against certain basic doctrines of God. Scripture talks about the doctrines of demons, the teachings of the I won't go to that today. So be careful. And the last one is godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is described in the passage you read as the hidden wisdom. It is hidden from corruption from this world, and that's why you must stay in the world. Stay in the world, and your wisdom, the godly wisdom that you are growing in, will not be corrupted, will not be infiltrated, filth will not come into that wisdom. 
That wisdom will not become vague in your mind and uncertain in your mind. See, the wisdom of God is very simple on the outside. So simple that even children can receive it. But when you get in, it's very deep on the inside. The simplicity of the wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. How can just giving God respect? How can I just give wisdom? How can the entrance of God's word just bring light? It's so simple that even children can accept it. Yet, when you accept it and you are growing in it, then you begin to see the depth of that wisdom. You see how such simple wisdom begins to change your mind, begins to change your memory. That even when you study physics, that simple wisdom of obeying the word of God, you begin to understand physics and you wonder, how was I able to understand it? Simple, godly wisdom. Simple on the outside, but very deep on the inside. Matthew 11, 25 puts it this way. At that time, Jesus answered and said to them, I thank God, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Jesus was talking about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. He was praising God that God had hidden the wisdom of God from the so-called wise people of this earth and yet had revealed them to simple people, to teenagers, to people who choose to look at God from a, gentle, a simple, childlike perspective. This morning, I want us to look at God from a simple, childlike perspective. God wants us to grow in wisdom. Godly wisdom is spiritually discerned. It is pure. It is the absolute truth. There's no truth that can stand the truth of the word of God. It does not change. It cannot be disproven. You cannot put it in the test tube and, 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 and come out of conclusion. It is impossible. It comes from above. It is pure. It is holy and adulterated and it is spiritually discerned. That is why you must be willing to become like a child. You must be willing to fear and honor God, respect him. That is the only way you can gain this type of wisdom. First Corinthians 2.40 says that the natural man does not receive the things of God for their foolishness to him. Nor can he even know them because they are spiritually descent. This morning, I don't know what your state is. I want to encourage all of us to seek Above all, godly wisdom. Seek all types of wisdom, seek human wisdom, but above all, seek godly wisdom. But if you are here this morning, you see, Second Corinthians is saying that the natural man does not receive the things of God. There are two types of human beings. There's a natural human being and there's a supernatural human being or the spiritual human being. The natural human being is one that does not believe in God. We are all like that some time ago. Natural, go about our things just like everybody else. The Bible says one day we are going to die. Are you able to comprehend the wisdom of God? If you don't, it's possibly because you have been natural. And everybody is natural until you receive the supernatural power of God. The spiritual side of God. Your spirit is made alive that you can discern spiritual things. If you are like that this morning, 
as we bring this service to a close. If you want to seek godly wisdom and you know that you are not able to understand spiritual things because you are natural, because, and the reason why is that is because you haven't received Jesus Christ. You don't know him. Yes, God created, he made you, but you don't know him. And you know within you that you don't know him because you are so uncertain about so many things. Like me many years ago, you are afraid to die. You are afraid of witches. You are afraid of all kinds of things. God wants to give you peace. If you want to call upon Jesus that you make your spirit alive, that you can begin to discern spiritual things, I want every eye closed and everybody praying. If you need help to get out of that state, into the state where you can begin to descend spiritual things and grow in godly wisdom. I want you to raise up your hand. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I want to be born again. I want you to forgive my sins. I want you to wash me in the... No movement. Sit down, please. Hey, sit down. When I finish, you can go, Okay. I want Jesus to save you. Lift up your hand high. Don't be, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. We want to help you. If you have raised up your hand, I want you to get up and walk towards me. Pick up your bag, your Bible, whatever you brought to church. Don't be shy. Just walk towards me. I want to pray with you and help you out. back, pick everything and come. Don't drop your hand. I saw your hand. God saw your hand. Please come. Don't be shy. There's no need to be shy about this. And I want every eye closed. I want everybody praying. There's no point in being uncertain. Going, coming to church every day, going to school every day, going up and down and something happens to you and then you have no standing with God. If your heart is beating and it's like something is there, it goes. Another thing is there, don't go. I mean, if you're in that kind of state, I want you to get up and come. Don't fight God. Just let, let him have his way in your life. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this too. I pray that you receive them, teach them and restore them. Quicken their spirits. Open their eyes that they may see your word and receive you wholly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Auntie Benis, please go to the lady at the back. Auntie Benis, please stand up. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for understanding on the dynamics of wisdom. We pray, O oh God, that we'll seek your wisdom especially that we seek to grow in godly wisdom. Help us to be careful about demonic wisdom. Help us to understand the limits of human wisdom. And may we seek you 
above all else. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been blessed this morning. I want someone to quickly tell me the four dimensions of wisdom. Anybody? Sorry, four dimensions. If I'd asked the last one, I'm sure you'd have told me the types you'd have told me because that's the last thing. Dimensions. Anybody? Spiritual dimensions. Can anybody else help him? Moral, mental, practical, governmental, and spiritual. Thank you very much. Now, which one did Uncle Bijou say the juice emphasized? Which one? Practical. Very good. Clap for him. Clap for him. I hope you took down notes. When you go home, read over them. Read over the scripture. This will be a blessing to you. We will invite Odra to minister to us as we take our Cornelius offering. Give a good offering. The Cornelius offering is used to help those of us who are needy. There's a lot of need, so give a good offering today. Amen. Hallelujah. How, how many of us want God to fill us up with his wisdom? Amen. If you provide the fire I'll provide the sacrifice If you provide the spirit, I will open up inside. Oh. If you provide the fire, The spirit, I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Sacrifice. 
yourself into God's hands today. Commit the week ahead into his hands. Wish that the Lord himself will be close to you. That you offer your lives as living sacrifices. As the Lord will fill you with wisdom this week as you search his word. Pray for protection and provision. that the Lord will take care of everything that concerns you. Amen. Shall we rise to our feet? Let's share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. This week, live a life
Adios.